many of us is that at least psychedelic chemicals, not all drugs, but psychedelic chemicals, have a capacity to cut through places where you are attached and clinging. Hello, and welcome back to the DNT World Podcast. In today's episode, we speak to an interesting gentleman by the name of Ryan Otis. Ryan is the host of The Naked Guru in Asia and shares with us his journey that has taken him through many cultures, languages, and lives. A journey which involved addiction, intense suffering, and hard-fought liberation, followed by an internal peace in the now. He has since left the UK and reconnected with his love and child in Thailand and has documented every step of the way in his vlog, which has been very fascinating. Ryan also has some great podcasts on his channel, so feel free to check him out on Naked Guru in Asia YouTube channel and on NakedGuruInAsia.com. As always, thank you for listening and keep spreading the love. You lose the view of the possibility and you have it only as a memory. Mr. Ryan Otis, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, um, I actually, um, I stumbled across your channel, your YouTube channel, The Naked Guru Experience, when I was doing some uh, research of my own um, and looking up uh, Gallimore, Dick Kahn, and then finding them on your channel. And I'm like, dang, dude, this guy's doing some pretty <laughs> cool stuff, you know? And uh, ever since then, man, I've been hooked. And uh You've got some pretty good conversations going on over there, and I, I really appreciate them. Glad you enjoy it, my friend. I'm glad you enjoy it. How did the channel come uh, come about? Like, how did um, how did you get started in this um, journey, so to speak? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was it's completely unexpected, really. Um, it, it, I guess it all began years ago. I graduated in psychology, so psychology had always been close uh, to my heart, and the podcast is based on on psychology. But years ago, when I graduated in the UK, I had a framework which was very much rooted in materialism. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew all the, the great psychologists. I hadn't covered much of Jung, but I'd done a lot of Freud, and, and it was all based on kind of memory and studies, all very materialistic. And I was called, uh, after, after graduating about 11 years ago, I felt called to travel to Asia. And so I just walked out of my job one day in Cambridge, and uh, it was a really good job as well. It was like in nightclubs and well-paid. And uh, I just walked out one lunchtime completely randomly and decided to <laughs> go to Asia with my backpack. And so I traveled over to Asia, and uh, I spent my first years in Thailand. I learned Thai uh, there and um, started to see the Eastern religions, started to mm. see something that was in the East that wasn't in the West, something mm. that, that I would have missed, something that I'd heard about in the West. Of course, I knew there was Buddhism and Hinduism, but I'd never experienced it. So when I, when I got there in Asia, I was like, whoa, these guys are on something else. I mean, it's completely psychedelic on its own. Yeah. Uh, Hinduism and Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And then um, yeah, then I got uh, heavily addicted to alcohol. I was a musician. I built a jazz lounge there. Mm. And uh, during playing the music, I just in, in flow and got heavy on the alcohol. And uh, it really consumed me. It, um, it was like something reaching up from the collective unconscious and possessing you. And it made, it kind of gave me an inability to love others. It gave me a, an inability to think straight. And, uh, and I, I needed to continue to drink in order just to feel normal, you know. And it got to the point where I was right to the edge of death. So the, the liver was like 
really destroyed, mm -hmm. practically destroyed. Mm -hmm. And I was in a villa in uh, Cambodia, and I had a, a near-death experience, or, or what I'll call is a death and rebirth experience. I just got right to the edge. And uh, as I died, I was shown a lot of my life had been wasted, and uh, a lot of the decisions that I'd make made were possibly not the best decisions for my path and, and my life. And I was shown that in a series of visions which uh, presented themselves to me as, hell realms mm -hmm. so I was it was basically torturous landscapes people crawling all over each other in ash imagine Dante Dante's Inferno yep. it was something along those lines burning people now I'm not suggesting it was a independent hell but it was a metaphorical and illustrative imagistic uh, representation of maybe some of the poor choices I'd made but then from that point I came back into this form into my body and uh, I was filled with a deep peace. It was like all mistakes that had previously been were forgiven, and my addiction was uh, no longer there, and it was almost like being given a fresh start. It's a little bit like the film Scrooge, where he sees the three ghosts, and uh, he decides to run out and say, a cooked goose for everyone. You know? <laughs> that's, how, that's how it was. And I made a, I made a pact that day then to surrender to whatever this process was and whatever the universe wanted to do with this 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 form of whatever i was and so that that then led to uh, years of a lot of abstinence and pulling out of society not talking to people because i could no longer uh, talk with people on a, about football or, yeah. or women or just the normal concepts uh, uh, it, it, the mind had gone to a, a kind of different place and so i pulled out of society for a long time and went very quiet uh for for years actually and then um one day it was just it was just brought to me that no you should speak about these things and that was the beginning of the podcast was then where we say, no, um, it's time to talk about these things. I continued uh, through those years, my use with entheogens, uh, particularly psilocybin uh, mushrooms, but also with the use of other tools such as LSD and DMT. And then I came to understand them for what they really are. And, and through understanding what entheogens really are is where I felt the urge to, to make the podcast to talk about these things so that others can understand what they are. You know, um, that, that point of uh, the rebirth or um, the death and rebirth, you know, I, you hear that a lot, you know. Um, I mean, your case, and every case is unique, you know, but your case is a little bit unique in the sense that Mostly, most of the people that I speak to, it's kind of um, brought on with the use of the antigens, that kind of ego death. You know, um, I had um, a gentleman earlier on when we first started, kind of the same um, description. You know, he had this this death that he went through. And then for a certain period after the experience, he was remembering or having these visions of these hell like realms and it, you know, it shook him and it did change him. Eventually those stopped, you know, but he, he continued to use the, um, I think it was psilocybin is what he was uh, dealing, using or um, using to, to assist himself. But um, that's something that I, I do see a lot, you know, a lot of that, that rebirth. I mean, even with myself, you know, getting to that point where, you know, everything just, like you said, you know, it's piling up. There's no connection. You, you're drinking to kind of, kind of get that peace, you know, that moment of peace. And it just digs you deeper into a hole, 
you know? So, well, that's a, that's something else, man. You were in a whole different part of, of the world too, right? Yeah. So at that time that was in, in Cambodia and, uh, and then I moved then into Bali where it's where we shoot the podcast from in Bali. And, you know, the process has been using these entheogens and linking that then with the spiritual teachings that are already available to us. And then coming to that aha moment that many of us are having in these communities where it's like, Oh yeah, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Christians are all talking about uh, this experience uh, with the mushroom, LSD, DMT, whatever it is, 5-MeO, um, these two link together. They're not uh, independent phenomena. Mm-hmm. They are part of the uh, same transcendental um, uh, occurrence uh, or experience that is mm-hmm. available to all human beings. And that our addiction, our addiction and our feeling of disconnect is a disconnect with source. And source is... Uh, what we access with entheogens. Mm-hmm. Source is what the Hindus talk about in the, in the terminology of Atman. Source is what Jesus said is the father, is the kingdom of heaven within. Uh, source is what the Buddhists call Dharmakaya. I mean, we can go on. It just, mm-hmm. it, it's in every philosophy, in every book. And, and, and there it is. And, and we can access it, all of us. So That makes sense. You know, when you think about, um, even in the Western um, like religion, right? We've got Christianity, Catholicism, like all these uh, mainstream religions, um, you know, those, and, and I'm sure for, for a lot of the people there, it, it does well for them and it helps them in some form to have that connection to a source or God or whatever it is that they want to label it as, or anybody does for that matter. It does make sense because even with me, with having the relationship with the entheogens, it's brought me to that source where it's like, oh, there is something else, you know, and and we are connected or there's something that is greater than what we see on a day-to-day basis. And it kind of brings you this faith, you know, it's that same, it all kind of sounds the same, but it's just a different, um, a different path to that source, you know? Yes. So let yeah. me ask, Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. And, and what we're talking about, in essence, is is a oneness. You know, all mm-hmm. of these different schools are pointing to the same direction. Now, we can never linguistically categorize here or explain what that is. Because mm-hmm. the minute we take that source, which is infinite, it is the mind of God. But these days, I don't use that word too much, God, because yeah. it's got so many attachments to it. I'll use the word the one. Uh, I talk about the one, and my book is called uh, Remember, Remembering Ourself, which is about remembering the one. And, uh, and, and all the thing is pointing to it, but that it cannot be linguistically categorized because language is a finite structure that we're applying to an infinite phenomena. So we, we can c- try and say, well, it's the, it's the one, it's consciousness, it's the universe, it's love, it's God guru self. But ultimately, that's all a restriction on truth. We can only point to it. We can't directly... Um, and describe it or explain it. I I agree a hundred percent, and and I see it across the board. I see, and the thing with God, the word God, like I the same thing. You know, I I when I started off in this <clears throat> journey, which wasn't too long ago. You know, I've, I've really been in this culture, so to speak, for like the last little less than five years. You know, and I'm still learning. I mean, I'm still a baby when it comes to all of this, but 
that was the one thing that I did see was I was kind of comparing it to this thing that we call God or that we grow up knowing as God. And as soon as I would say that word, people would just shut down and like, no, it's not that. It's not. And I'm like, well, what's the problem with this? But then you start seeing what people attach to these words and, and the religious aspect and, all, and, and it's understandable and, and it makes sense. But, um, but it's, it's, it's the same, like what you're saying, the source, it's the same, you know? Yes. And, you know, in some respects, what I've come to understand my existence is about, my life is about, is to talk about these things and, and, and kind of bring others in to talk about these things. And in a way, I've found my path is a process of modernizing it. So at the moment, I'm really kind of tied in with this idea of behold, I make all things new. And it's occurred to me that these religions existed across time. So we have uh, Hinduism being one of the earlier ones and Christianity another uh, another one. Uh, what our job is to kind of do is take them all as a meta-analysis, merge them together into a holistic uh, worldview and use the new terminology. So let's get rid of God and let's call it the one or the universe, our consciousness. It, it doesn't really matter in the end. All linguistic categories are illusions. All mm-hmm. linguistic categories are only syntactic sounds, A, E, I, O, U, and the consonants that we're applying to something. All are illusions, but all are pointing to the truth of it. So it is the reinvention of religion through time. Now, whether that incorporates uh, psychedelics, which I think it's going to in our modern day, in our future, it's we're going to have a whole profound new understanding of what that is. What is consciousness? What is God? What are we reinventing here? I mean, the old, I'm not saying do away with the old philosophies, but in the old religions, they have their utility. Mm-hmm. They help point us to, to the truth, but don't get trapped there. Because the minute one identifies as I'm a Tibetan Buddhism, I'm a Christian, you get locked into a secondary ego identity. So we can kill the first ego. I am Ryan. There is no Ryan. Um, You know, you are Alex. There is no Alex. You can kill that one and realize the illusion of the separate self, realize the illusion of the separate ego. But then what people do is go to a secondary level and create a spiritual ego or a religious ego. Well, I wasn't that, but I am God and I'm a Christian in that. That is also a manifestation of the ego. You can shatter that one as well and keep stepping back, stepping back, stepping back. Eventually, all the things that you're not fall away and you become what you really are. And it's none of the things that you think you are. Anything you think you are, you're not. You can let that go and become what you really are. I, I agree. Uh, the thing is, though, and this is the thing that every that, that I come across is, as long as I'm living here in this form, that ego continues to present itself, you know, and, and that's the battle of, okay, how do I find that middle ground, you know? Yeah, we can, we can start using the different terminology and start doing away with things that are associated with things from our past, but there's still me here, like this thing, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think for me, that's kind of where these tools, um, you know, substances or entheogens kind of help as a reminder. It's kind of like what people say, um, I keep going to church, you know, I'll go to church to remind me of it. Uh, I think for me, you know, that's what I've found, you know, to, to kind of help me in that balance. But for you, I mean, knowing this, you know, that you're saying this about the ego, like, how do you kind of keep that at bay or do you accept it or what is your process when it comes to that? 
there are periods in my life, moments in my life where I'm stabilized enough to talk with people like this. So, um, but there are periods in my life where I'm not stabilized. Mm. There's periods in my life where when you're, when you're shattering a, a previous uh, illusion, that that is actually a quite a horrific yeah. <laughs> approach. There's a lot of anxiety involved. A lot of people meet me and I have one-to-one calls and group calls with people and they say, God, I wish I was as calm as, as you and able to get this. But what I say is behind the scenes is um, a process of shattering and there's times where I'm overcome with pro- a profound download of information, which then you kind of have to integrate and stabilize. And I found that for me, it's been a pretty horrific process of giving up everything that I loved, first and foremost. I mean, I enjoyed drinking. I enjoyed having a smoke. I used to enjoy marijuana, but all of these things were no longer um, in line with what, whatever it is that it wants to manifest through me. So I had to give up these things like weed and I had to give up things like sugar and, and, you know, to some extent, um, it, it, I give a most things that I like, uh, most computer games were another one. I used to enjoy mm. playing computer games, but, uh, then I, I was just losing interest and all of these were part of the stripping away. And that wasn't easy because you're letting go of things that you don't, you, you, you don't want to let go of. Uh, so the answer is sometimes it's stabilized and sometimes I deal with it. And then other times, uh, it, it's destabilized and I have to, I mean, it does get easier though, because each time it destabilizes, you reach a new level of bliss. I don't know if you had any of the Kundalini experiences yet, but certainly with some entheogens, particularly uh, LSD, when you enter close to the oneness of source, you can feel very deep bodily bliss Mm. uh, through the body. And that can happen on the entheogen, but also off the entheogen. Mm -hmm. You get to a point where you start to... uh, realize that bliss, uh, particularly spinally, uh, in, in your day-to-day life as you strip away the illusion. Uh, the bliss, what I believe the bliss is, is a closeness to the one. Because the one, a pseudonym for one, is love. And so the bliss is a byproduct of being close to love, close to unconditional love, which is the foundation of the cosmos. That makes sense, man. And, and I agree. Um, you know, I, I recently got into... Um, breath work and have achieved the same um the same space that you know on the complete just sober natural there's nothing you know in my system just off of breathing alone and i've gotten to these places and had visions as well where i'm like this is something like uh, it scared me you know i really did but um I agree. Uh, you know, and to, to have it on a constant basis is obviously that's a whole nother level, man. <laughs> you know, I don't think I'm there yet, man, but uh, I do strive, you know, to, to continue to remember that, you know, that there is something else there and I have experienced it, you know, and um, <clears throat> I don't know how to label it. I don't know how to explain it to some people, but you know, once you've gotten to the, that place where, you, you just feel the connection of all things, you know, past and present and, and future. It's, it's, it's something else. And I do believe that that is like the source, you know, and I've known a yeah. bunch of, a few other people who have achieved that, that state, you know, uh, on entheogens, off entheogens, just doing breath work and so forth. And it's, um, it is, you do feel like a rebirth and, and you kind of feel like there's also a little bit of a purpose in terms of getting this out there and just saying like, you know, Hey, 
you know, there is something in these ancient teachings and religions. There is definitely some truth here. And maybe you don't like them. Maybe you don't like the way that people are handling. But but look at this. You know, this is something that I didn't yeah. go to a church. I didn't go to a teacher. I didn't go to any. I went within. And within, I found the same place. And it feels like the same place. And it's it's spectacular. It's spectacular. And, and it changes you as an individual. You know, it makes you have more compassion. You know, it makes you love yourself and, and others, you know, in a way that um, you couldn't before. And it's the same, similar, very similar story to um, people who are like born again Christians or people who find these new religions and they're just, they get to this place and this, you know, this feeling and it's very similar, you know, and this is kind of why I like to not only seek out these conversations, but also promote these conversations, you know, like what you're doing on your podcast and uh-huh. with the um, project, the Remembering Ourself um, project and, and your book and so forth. Um, it's kind of why, you know, we have this going on here. So can you tell us a little bit more about the um, Remembering Ourself project? Yeah, and I think it links quite nicely to uh, what you were just saying, that you just said, I found it within, you know, Sri Ramana Mahashi used to say, God, guru, and self are the same, the same, you, you are the guru, you are God, you know, you don't need to look to the spiritual teacher or somebody over there in, in, in hierarchy that that person knows and you don't, everybody is their own teacher. And then as we manifest that and, and come into the realization of, ah, oh, it is me, and it's always been me, and, but it's not only me, you don't want to get trapped there either, God <laughs> is not only you, it's everybody else too, that is compassion because love for your brother and love for the other is love for yourself because it's all the same self. You know, that's the golden rule is treat others as you want to be treated. Well, because they are all you at the deepest level. There's, there's, in my worldview, and this sometimes a little bit too much for some, but there's only really one of us here in discussion with itself. And so that is why I created Remembering Ourselves. So mm. it's, it's the whole point of it's the one self, our self, not myself or yourself. It's our self, who we really are. And it is a process of remembering because there have been awakened beings in what seemed to be the past, such as Buddha or Jesus or, and many, many more. Um, and and it, it's a, you come into life and you adopt the ego identity and you play your role or your character and who you think you are. And then some of us realize the illusion of that and remember who we really are. So it is a process of remembering, not just realizing, remembering. And so... The project is about getting people together that are going through these experiences and they're feeling crazy and they're feeling nobody understands them and they can't talk to their friends down the pub anymore. They can't talk to their family anymore. Everybody thinks they've lost their mind. What I, what I want to do is, uh, uh, and what we are doing, we have now groups in the USA, Australia, and the UK that are meeting once a week. People are getting together and sometimes in groups of 10, 15, and each are just speaking what they really think, what they've realized, what happened on the five MEO trip, what happened to them, you know, down the supermarket when they had a Kundalini experience, how they're feeling about issues in their life. Maybe they're going through some bad stuff. Maybe they had some really terrible upbringing, but we're getting together in these groups a little bit like AA without the addiction. And we're just talking openly in the presence of ourself because each being in the sharing circle uh, recognizes that 
everybody is a di- is a divine being. Everybody is an equal manifestation of the universe. You know, there is no famous or not famous or rich or poor. It's it's, it's everybody. You cannot deny God in 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 something just because of the way it looks. It's God has to be in everything or it's in nothing. It's uh, in every being. So it's not just the the ones that look like they're doing their yoga or the dreadlocks and whatnot. <laughs> not just that. It's it's the it's the woman at the checkout counter in the seven eleven. That's God. Like and it's the coming to realize that and interplay with your reality that way and how your reality then takes on this different flavor. So so we do that in groups, we talk about that. We're doing it on Zoom at the moment which is brilliant because we can connect people uh, from all around the world. And I'll also be running uh, personal sessions in Bali where we, where we do that. And really I'm, I don't know what it is and I'm not in control of it. It's um, it is happening of itself. And I can tell you some of the things that come out in those discussions are like, Whoa, this is, this is interesting. It's uh, unique, but I don't know what it is. And, and I've been told by Paul Selig, who I interviewed recently, not to dictate what it is. Don't try and control what it is. Let it be what it is. You know, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I think that you're starting to see a lot more of these um, type of projects or even like sites, communities pop up all over the the world, you know, and, and it has to do with this type of um, subject, you know, not only the entheogens, but also teachings or even realizations. Um, that's kind of what we're doing, what we do here at uh, DMTworld.net. DMT World is a little bit different because it is a social network website as well. So you get kind of a lot of the same, there's some similarities when it comes to, you know, other uh, social platforms. Um, But that's something that, you know, with what you're doing with the remembering ourselves, that kind of takes that out of it, you know, because you're putting the more personal perspective and it's people face to face. And you'll see a lot of differences in behaviors, you know, when people are face to face, as opposed to just some random, you know, username on on a website, which... You know, it has its good and bad uh, pros and cons, you know, but um, nevertheless, to still have a place to come and share your story, to share your experiences is always needed. And in this culture, or this topic, um, this is something that was lacking for a very long time uh, or also being um, censored in some places. You know, there's people that live in different countries where they're not allowed to talk about these entheogens or these type of experiences. So it's good that you're seeing more people kind of opening them, them up. And um, that's something that, that, you know, I, I salute you for, for doing that and starting that. I mean, that's something um, that the world is in need of for sure. Well, and, and you too, to have the forums. I mean, it, it takes us as all beings, anybody listening to this and, and, and us guys too, to, to be that change is to imp- implement the tools of interconnectivity. If the mushroom teaches us anything, it increases the neural interconnectivity of the brain. We see the John Hopkins results. That's what it does. So as, as below, so above, as above, so below, we need to increase interconnectivity of our communities. And yes, behind every meme and comment and, uh, and post and whatever it is, is a human being. And we forget that when we're interacting with this kind of inhuman interface where, you know, anyone can just say anything. We forget that there's people behind. And and when you, when people are brave enough to join these sharing circles, it does require them to be brave because they're in front of strangers talking about very intimate things. Uh, When they're brave enough to join, they find that it's a whole different dynamic. It's like, whoa, I don't feel alone anymore. And then what I've seen is these people then contacting each other 
and having private calls on their own. And, and this is, this is what the mushroom teaches us to do. You know, this isn't my idea. This is the mushrooms idea. It's like connect people, you know, sit, come out of the closet of, of, of pretending that this isn't real and entheogens are uh, hallucinogens and, uh, and this nonsense. Come out of the closet of all that and start speaking about it because it is truth. And for no, no more are we going to be told that it's not truth because we, now we have the scientific evidence. John Hopkins' uh, studies are showing 95% cure rate of our depression, of our anxiety, of our PTSD. This is the cure. We, we're no longer going to accept, we're going to be burned as witches at the stake and drowned and, uh, and tribal cultures being stamped upon uh, by, by the collective hallucination, which is what it is. We're going to come out and we're going to say, no, time for change now, because this is the cure for our species, for the problem that our species is suffering from, a disconnection with source and, and ultimately suffering living in an illusory reality, a collective agreement, which is based on uh, egoic identity attachment and fear. That, that is the collective agreement at present. So it serves its purpose. The collective agreement, which is based on fear and, and the separate ego and separation, um, produces competition and competition drives technology and technology is an extension of us. It's the next evolutionary extension. It's going to allow us to go to space, whatever it is, it's AI. But it served its purpose and now it's time to step out of that collective agreement, realize it's an illusion and create a new collective agreement, which is one based in equality, is one based in, in peace, is one based in truth, is one based in mutual understanding of each other as divine aspects of the universe. Yeah, there's there's definitely a big there's definitely a big push for it, right? I mean, a lot of people are kind of coming along and and realizing, you know, that these are just tools and and, and the ultimate goal of it for most is um, having that connection to that that oneness for sure. Yeah, I mean, because that's for me what it was. Uh, that's exactly what it was. You know, I was missing that, that connection. And, um, I, I came into the, <clears throat> to this world, um, because I was a soldier and I had a violent upbringing and I, I saw, I was involved in a lot of violence in the military. And, uh, when I got out, there was just nothing, you know, and I remember hearing about the maps, um, there were all the research they were doing. And that's kind of what started me down this whole, you know, um, this road. And, um, the, the the website that I, I'm part of, DMT World, um, we did, we have local meetups there, uh, groups there, and um, we extended that here locally. You know, we created our local group. It's kind of the same thing that you guys are doing with your Remembering Ourself um, project. And now we have our own local group and we linked up with another local group and we're just growing and growing in size. And it's people that from all different walks of life, from all different uh, classes or whatever you want to call them. And we all have the same <clears throat> belief that these entheogens being illegal is, it is, uh, it's, it's not only infuriating, but it's scary too, you know, to think that, that somebody is keeping us from these, you know, but also at the same time realizing that it, we can change that, you know, we can change that because there's power in numbers and that's, you know, the, the old saying, find the others, you know, that's what it is, is power in numbers. And the more that we get, especially locally, you know, you can change local laws 
as I mean, look what they're doing all over the world. I don't know how it is in the UK, but here in the US, they've got multiple large cities that have decriminalized a lot of these um, plant medicines. And that's a big movement that's happening across uh, the US right now. So that's what we have in mind, you know, at least with my local group is ultimately at the very least making these like the last um, make just decriminalizing them, making sure that the the law enforcement here are making them the lowest priority in, in anything else. You know, it's so good to hear that you're having these groups and that you're, you're doing this. I mean, it's so proactive and um, it's, and, and, and that's what it's going to mean. It's, it's going to be these communities getting together. And in the, in, in the States, I think, you know, as it often sets precedence uh, for the world and particularly in like California and Colorado and those places. Um, but, you know, in the East, it's still a death sentence for possession of um, these kind of substances, yeah? So uh, it, you can go in front of the firing squad, actually, in, in Bali. And so the, these things, uh, to talk about it over there is, uh, is a whole new um, uh, it's a whole new level of uh, danger, I guess. So, you know, we put it into, a, often put it into a more of a religious uh, context. And I, in a way, I guess that's what the states are doing because the churches are popping up and saying, you know, this is an ayahuasca church. This is a mushroom church. I, I've uh, been in touch with uh, a lawyer that's heavily behind this at the moment. And his job is just basically going around setting up hundreds of churches all around the states that are going to be doing these uh, mushroom ceremonies. And so I do, I, I, the future for me is not uh, so gloomy. I, I do see it's, uh, I, I see it as, um, and th- you know, there, there are multiple reasons as well why it's not so gloomy for me. It's because I do believe the universal intelligence that is driving this is of a deeper intelligence than the individual intelligence. And we know that because when we go into these certain states of consciousness with the entheogens, we get this vast download of intelligence, you know? So the, the unfolding process knows what it's doing. It just, it, it, the way it does it, we may not agree with it all the time. It sets itself in duality, one against the other, head to head, left left brain, right brain, uh, Republican, Democrat, whatever it is. It sets itself up, up that way in order to manifest uh, the the middle line, in order to manifest uh, what what it wants in the end. And we can't always see that process because it's complex, multiple multi multi leveled. So. Yeah, I agree. And it is interesting to see it happening. You know, you start seeing that the two sides coming. And, and but, you know, for a long time, it was just that one side that that reigned supreme, you know, that said, hey, these things are bad. These things are good. Don't do this. This is OK. But, you know, I think that a lot of people are tired of that status quo. You know, we saw what consumerism had led us to. And and, you know, with the recession and everything that's happening now, you know, it's all because of that. You know, people were more interested in buying houses and cars and you know, climbing the corporate ladder and all of this, people are, are kind of done with that. You know, yeah. your average person is like, we do not want to subscribe to this anymore. It's going to fall into the same realm as all these other religions are for us as well. So we're looking for these other aspects or <clears throat> other, um, you know, paths that, that lead us to what it is that we, we need inside. And yeah. it may be it, more than likely is that connection. You know, I mean, for me, it is, it is the connection to what people call the source or the one, you know, when I, when I experienced, sorry, when I first experienced that, it was, a, it was a game changer. It changed everything for me. You know, I stopped the drinking and I stopped all of that stuff. I mean, it helped me out tremendously, you know, and my family, you know, I have a wife and children and 
They've seen the transformation. They've seen dad go from the guy who's drinking every single night, being gone on the weekends to being here every day and being involved and hugging us and loving us and no more drinking. And like just that in itself is 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 enough to 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 sell, sell me on this and say you know these are just tools you know these are it's not that i i i um it's not that I pray to the mushroom or pray to these other, you know, to ayahuasca or whatever the substance may be. But yeah. this is like the same thing that it does for me. It does for this, the person that goes to church or that's buying a car or whatever for them. For me, this is what it does. It brings me closer to that, which I feel that I need, you know, and that's that connection. And it makes me an overall nicer person, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just touching on the alcohol there is... You know, many times we we live, but we don't know why we do what we do as beings on this planet. Like, and and it's because there are different levels of consciousness. We know that because you can be drunk, you're at lower level of consciousness, or you can be on uh, 500 milligrams of LSD, where you're at a peak level of consciousness. This is the consciousness amplifiers. But alcohol, what we're using intuitively is. We're trying to find our way back to source. The alcoholic is just trying to find the way back to source. And the way back to source is the elimination of thinking, is the elimination of the conceptual mind. And so if you drink enough, eventually your thoughts turn off. And what happens when you merge with a oneness for a moment where you're not your thoughts, you're not your ego. The ego only exists in thoughts and language. It's a linguistic construct. I am happy, I am sad, I am this, I am man, I am woman. It's only it exists in language. Once you turn language off and you turn thinking off, which is what uh, alcohol does, is you get this kind of happiness and this kind of connectedness. The problem is once the alcohol's worn off, it comes back like tenfold. It's like, I am a useless human being. And all the stuff that you did while you were drunk and while you're out of out of touch, all that comes in the shame there. And there's all these these feelings of not being good enough. It just comes back. And you know, that's why we do meditation. Meditation is turning off the thinking mind in order to eliminate, dissolve the ego and come into reality, no longer uh, rooted in illusions and concepts. So alcohol is just us trying to numb that pain. So whatever it was, whatever it was that made the pain, usually in childhood, usually it's in it's an upbringing with some trauma. We're just trying to numb it and forget that element of our ego identity. What the entheogen allows us to do is actually go into the mind and explore um, what it is that's that's causing that pain, what it is that's causing that trauma, neutralize it, realize the illusion of it, and then free yourself of it. You're liberated from it. You're no longer identifying with your trauma, no longer identifying with that thing that you can't forgive yourself for. You've forgiven yourself now. The universe forgives all. Um, and so, and that then is, is liberation and freedom. Now, if you want to stop there, that's fine. I mean, as an individual, you can say, yeah, that's it. I did my trauma and and, and I'm feeling good, and I'm living good, I'm living healthy, and I'm happy, I'm taking care of my family. And that is beautiful. Some of us feel called to go deeper into what is that. And what you find is, when, when you're doing 500 milligram, micrograms of um, LSD on, on iterate, an iterative process, you know, with a three-month break in between, what you come to find is that a comp- yourself is a complete illusion. You're dying not only to your trauma and your idea of yourself, but you're moving into the collective identity, the identity of the human species itself, the identity of what is the universe. Um, The LSD is just triggering the death rebirth experience. 
you die and you're reborn, die and reborn from out of this form into this form. It's uh, you do it enough times and you come to realize uh, what it is, which is what um, Timothy O'Leary and Ram Das wrote in their book, The Psychedelic Experience, which is based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Uh, it is just that process. Uh, you're just using LSD to trigger it. Speaking of uh, <clears throat> LSD, um, so for me, a lot of the uh, experiences that I've had, um, mine started with psilocybin. Um, I started um, with a microdosing regimen. I did that for about two years. And it, it got me to the point where it kind of um, – it helped like a, like as a mood stabilizer, mood and enhancer, so to speak. But, um, it wasn't until I started getting, you know, on the higher doses, the macro doses, you know, five, seven, eight grams of dried, uh, cubensis mushrooms. And that took me to a whole nother, a whole nother level. And that's where, for me, I found a lot of the, um, a lot of the rewiring, so to speak, um, occurred. And then, um, then I, then I, I, I experienced the NNDMT, an endimethyl tryptamine, the molecule itself, uh, which is you know one of the main components in ayahuasca, but it's in um, a, a, like a crystal form, and you can actually vape it. Um, wow. And that brought me to uh, a whole different world. <laughs> and uh, I had some experiences there where I was. Um, I had spoken to some entity, an entity, and it was multiple conversations with this entity and um, kind of put me on this path of, you know, spreading the word or spreading the love is what I call it. And that's, you know, um, just kind of having these conversations and, you know, bringing this topic up as much as possible and kind of making it a, a normal thing and, and connecting people to groups and organizations and other people. Um, you know, that's kind of what started this journey for me in, in, in getting out there and, you know, speaking with people and bringing people on here and so forth. Um, but for you, what was it that, um, was there a time that you had an experience with any one of these entheogens or substances that kind of put you on a path or a trajectory or some kind of new sort of understanding for you? Yeah. I mean, with, with, with my process, um, you know, what I say here is not fact or verbatim. It's only ever my experience of, of, and the way I view it, you know, and it's always open. I'm always very flexible to change that. You know, I, I'm, I'm all about learning as well. But um, from my experience, the mushroom for me was always a teacher-student um, experience. There was something there showing me certain aspects of the universe. And, uh, and I always, uh, that, that was in the early stages, a big part of my opening. <clears throat> LSD was really the one that uh, changed my life, which I never felt was a, a, so much a teacher there, but it was a traveling into the heart of the universe, into the mind of God and touching it in its beauty and its love, but also in its deep suffering and pain and, and all kinds of like hell realms there. And then kind of coming back into this body and learning that, that process of going out and coming back and going out and coming back and restabilizing and integrating at each level. Uh, then it became clear what I was actually doing. I was dying and being reborn in one body over time. But then it came to DMT which obviously is the one that even experienced psychonauts, uh, it still knocks you off your feet. Like you still, you think you got it on 500 micrograms of LSD and you, you think, yeah, I got this. 
Like I got it. And I remember <laughs> the first time I'd been playing around with it at the low levels, thinking that I was breaking through, seeing the swirling patterns of uh, and, and kind of a soft clown faces and colors. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like this is pretty psychedelic, thinking that I'd broken through. And then one, <laughs> one morning I thought I'd, I'd hit the pipe and... Uh, <laughs> And I actually did break through. I, I, I had like four hits and I went, whoa. <laughs> and I was pulled out of the body. Um, everything, reality was just pulled away. There was no more swirly patterns or clown uh, figures. It was a complete non-dual uh, experience. And anyway, I was blasted to this other part of the cosmos where I was approached by three beautiful black uh, metallic uh, marble black beings, three of them. Don't ask me how I know, but I know that two of them were women and one of them was a man. And they approached me and they were like, wow, you've come. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. And I'm still quite shook up. And uh, so the women both put their hand on my head and I said, look, I'm a good person. I'm living a good life. And uh, I'm doing, I'm doing what I think the universe wants me to do. I'm, I come here pure of heart. And they said to me, yeah, we know you do. We know. We, we, we know everything about you. And the man kissed me on, leaned forward and kissed me on the lips. And the, what was coming through is like a, a download of information from, from him in, in, into my body, through my body. And I could also feel uh, an intense heat on the head where the, the women were kind of downloading information. And this was really the point where uh, it opened something in me to be able to redefine myself, not only as the student, because I'd always been the student before. I still see myself as a student, but I also glimpsed uh, an aspect of myself that was the teacher as well. And so it kind of liberated me and gave me permission to start speaking about these things too. So when I came back from that, it took a few weeks of integration, but then I realized that any, any being is God, Guru, and self. And so if, if you, when, when the learning is over and you're at the point of learning's finished, maybe it's time to speak and write about these things too and, and start to be proactive and bring people together in them, you know. Only you define yourself as forever the student. You can, you can be the student and the teacher at the same time. And in fact, I think it's a necessary part of the process. We have to find our voice. We have to find that thing that is, uh, that is allowing us to, it to speak through us. It's not finding the ego identity's voice, the small self's voice. That voice just wants to be heard and recognized and say, hey, look at me, look how awesome I am. That's, that's different. You're finding the voice of being a conduit for the universe. You, you're saying what it wants you to say. You're, you're abiding in a stillness and to whatever extent you can, an egoless state, which allows that download to come and speak through you, whatever comes. And that's what I do with people in group. It's what I do with people privately. It's, I don't want to call it channeling because for me, it's not, it's not really like that. But, uh, but I think it is about finding the voice that those beings are, are finding that action that those beings want from you. And it's clearly what has happened with you. They, you're, you're manifesting what, what the universe wants of you. And it's, you're brave, man. Like, big credit to you. Because many of us think, no, I could never do that. I, I, I could never start a podcast or, or do that. Because <laughs> you have your own kind of self-limiting beliefs. Like, you got to break through those and say, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. And when you do it, you find, whoa, it unfolds. 
and it actually starts going somewhere. Life becomes interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> there's something about the DMT experience, uh, and I'm sure every, anybody and everybody who has ever experienced DMT, um, that there's a lot of those similarities. You know, you touched on one regarding the female and male aspect of, of certain beings within the DMT realm, and that's something that you hear a lot of people say, and, and it is strange that even within that realm, that there is a feminine and a masculine type of entity. And then there's also these other ones that are just strange creatures or mechanical. I can't even label them, but they're just these weird beings there too. But a lot of them that are seem to be like the most powerful ones um, do come in like a female and and, um, male or masculine or feminine um, form, which is like with me, I had a being an entity that I, my first experience, you know, I had met this being and I, when I came back, I remember telling my wife who was sitting there in the room with me, I told her I met the queen and she likes me. <laughs> and and it was weird because I was just coming out of it and I was still in like halfway in this realm and still in this vision. And I was speaking about this being and I was already labeling as her, um, which is, it's strange. And, and it's, um, <clears throat> it's interesting um, another thing too is like the downloading of information. Like I've had that same type of experience where, you know, this being just grabbed me and just put their hand over my vision or whatever. And I'm back in my body here and I can feel my body reacting to like this just inf- download of information, which is weird because I can't even tell what the information is, but I could feel like these thoughts and, 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 just information going into my body through my head, which is another um, commonality, another common thing that you see people experience in that realm. Yeah, and the cross-referencing, what you're doing here, this platform, and what your DMT World platform is doing is allowing us, each being, to put put their story forward and say, hey, this happened. And then we find a consistent meta-analysis of truth. We can throw out some things, okay, maybe that's subjective, maybe that's because of set and setting, but there are other things that have a substantial replicability. And what is science but a, re- a replicability? You know, what do we prove anything uh, uh, in? It, we test it, and if you can repeat it again and again and again, it has an objective reality, you know? And this is something that a lot of uh, mainstream science scientists are, are dismissive of, you know, Andrew Gallimore is very good at, 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 at bringing this to the mainstream. He's a you know? hero. <laughs> yeah, he's a hero. I'm like, come on, science, PhD behind us now, let's go. But, uh, but uh, you know, still those that are rooted still in the materialist uh, worldview will always see that as pseudoscience, even though you have that replicability. Uh, but who cares anyway? I mean, for, for, the, for the mainstream, it doesn't matter. What matters is those that have the experience feel that they can share that, that they can co-validate it together, and, and then they feel, okay, they, so it was real, and there's something there. Now, I think one mistake that we do make in our community is it's easy to just keep taking DMT and keep going back again and again and again. And I think you, the risk that you take there is getting lost in between dimensions, <laughs> and it's, uh, it can be quite risky. I mean, I only do DMT maybe once every six months to a year. But, um, but I think it's risky because I do meet people that I, that I love, but I'm not grounded. Um, that is, there's completely like 
it's like, wow, that's super dimensional stuff. And because you're, because you're not integrating and grounding, you're finding an inability to articulate what's going on. I know what you're saying, man. Like, I, I get it. I get what you're trying to say about space and time, but it's like you're so lost there because you're just hitting the pipe. It's our job to integrate it, ground it, whatever that download is, we've got to embody it and, and really try our best to verbalize it. That's what I work on a lot is how do you verbalize it? How do you make it appealing to everybody and not just kind of like E equals MC squared on the board and like, look here, you know, it's, uh, this, is, this, is, this is the formula, right? And scare people away. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with, with you on that 100%, you know, and um, I do know there, um, I mean, I've met people myself who have gone, you know, continuous times back and forth, back and forth. And then you do see a little bit of a change in their, you know, everyday behaviors and, and they do become a little bit withdrawn, which, you know, by all means, you know, feel free to do as you please. But, you know, <clears throat> one thing for me that happened was, uh, this happened this year actually was I had a, um, a set of experiences where I went into the DMT realm and, was told by these entities, like, what are you doing here? You know, like, what are you here for? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you're, we already told you blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, what are you guys going to do? And they're like, don't mind us what we're going to do. And this happened one time. And, and, and I remember I was at a, another friend's house of our local group here and they wanted to try DMT as well. And I decided to go back and it was just one of those experiences where it was just, it was almost like they were trying to scare me. Like it was such a, um, a, um, a challenging experience. And in the end, it was always the same thing. Like, look, man, you don't need to be here anymore. You've got what you wanted to get and just go and do what you got to do. You know, we'll be here no matter what we know what you're doing and we see you doing it. You know, like, it's almost like I was, um, like, okay, it's fine. I don't need to keep coming back here so often. You know I mean? Every now and then maybe I might come back and check on, check up on or check in. But, um, I got to that point too, where I was like, I feel like I kind of hit a plateau or, you know, like it's now time to put into action the things that were downloaded into, into me or whatever it is, you know, it's kind of like I was put on a mission, you know, and, and this is my mission to come out here and talk about these experiences and expose, not expose, but, um, put the, promote these, you know, talks and then podcasts and books and organizations and, um, just kind of make it more of a mainstream thing. So everybody can, you know, as a whole society's perception will start to, a perspective will start to shift regarding these. And and I think they already are and people are doing a great job, but you know, it, it does yeah. one more person doesn't hurt, you know? And that's one thing as I tell people is continue to have these conversations, go out and start your own podcast can interview people, or you just have your own conversations in your, in your, in your um, community. This is uh, the more, the merrier power in numbers. Yeah, and it's really, we're getting to a point where it's kind of more about support than going through. I mean, these ideas that we're talking about are coming mainstream. I know in my podcast, there's so many, so many times you can talk about the stoned ape hypothesis. And so this is this stuff's becoming mainstream. And so now it's about like, okay, how do we support the growth of that going forward? And uh, just on your point about kind of starting and stopping, Terence stopped taking mushrooms for years before he stopped talking about it. And Terence McKenna and Alan Watts was also a proponent of going away. When you look through the microscope, uh, see see what's there, then go away and work on it. And so, and I never thought that I would be that kind of person because for me, I was like, no, no, I'll never stop doing this. I'll never stop. 
going in and, and diving in and out. But quite recently, and it's only in the past few months, like the downloads I'm getting just on the natch, like the feelings of Kundalini, and uh, which before I never even believed that there was such a thing as Kundalini. It's uh, a kind of an energy release from the base of the spine, of the back of the spine. It feels like pure bliss. What I'm getting just on the natch is, is uh, enough, you know? It's like you open yourself up enough and this stuff's going to start flowing uh, anyway. Now I'm not saying I'm never going to go back into the, the space, you know. With LSD, I like to use maybe once every three months, but I, I, I maybe uh, stretch that out now. So uh, once the process is you're starting to open, it's like right, my work is kind of flowing now. It's uh, what do we do with it? Let me ask you something. Um, <clears throat> out of all the things since your since your rebirth, so to speak, that you had that you mentioned earlier. Out of all the things since then that you've came across, the people you've talked to, the things that you've read, any of the research that you've you know come across or anything, is there anything that has um, popped out the most or that you find the most important or something that stands out for you? You know, for me, it's pretty out there, right? But... But what I realized was in listening to all of these people and, and all of this research, it, 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 when we're listening to Alan Watts, at the deepest level, we're listening to our self-talk from the 70s. So when we're listening to Terence McKenna, and the reason we're drawn to it, some of us, is that we're listening to our self-talk. And these conversations that we're having now, our self will be listening to it one day. <laughs> You know, maybe in the future, you know. So it's like these conversations in sound, in space and time are the breadcrumbs that we, the self, has been leaving for itself all along. And that realization to me came to me actually um, through, through this, this kind of accumulation of all the research and looking at everything, all of the religions, all the spiritual teachers, Sri Ramana Maharshi, Alan Watts, Terence McKenna. It came to me on, in, in a visionary experience in a, in a profound image of all of their faces came floating around and they layered onto my face. And so I saw Sri Ramana Maharshi's face and I saw Eckhart Tolle's face and I saw Alan Watts' face and they all came and, and kind of pounded onto my face and, and they came into my being. And the realization was that it's always been you. It is always you. This is you talking to you. Um, all of this research is what you've been writing for yourself work yourself out across time <laughs> if you if you really come from the idea of non-duality and oneness the implications of that are immense a lot of people can say i am god it's all one and they can understand that intellectually but when you understand that experientially there's a whole different levels that you can understand from that one of them is what i've just said if it's all one then it's always always been one talking to oneself the separate identity is an illusion there is no ryan there is no Alex. It is the self in communion with the self, the universe in communion with the universe. And so it's always been you across time. And that, that, that's a heavy one. Yeah, it definitely is. But, you know, the more that I go into, um, you know, these conversations and, and, you know, these podcasts and all this stuff, the more I see that there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of validity in that, you know, and, and even for me, even at the base of everything that, that I do in terms of how, how I 
treat everybody and myself. It's kind of the same thing. Like you said, the golden rule, you know, treat others as you want to be treated yourself and finding that commonality, you know, between me and other people. And, you know, it's easy to, to say, I don't know this guy, so therefore I don't trust him or whatever, but it's, it's harder for me to be like, well, that's somebody's father, that's somebody's brother, that's somebody's son. And, and seeing that, you know, that was one thing that, I came back with, um, you know, I served, I, I was in combat in Afghanistan of all the places. And, and I, I did take people's lives, you know, I was involved in that. And that was one thing that stuck with me the most was, you know, I just took somebody's father from them, you know, and then it wasn't not just me, you know, because obviously the other person made the choice of being there as well. You know, it just so happened to be that this person was the one who made it out of life out of that altercation, but still just seeing the, you know, just, just how shitty it was, you know, that, that anything ever even gets to that point, but also being like, what is a bad guy? (laughs) Like, who am I to say that that's a bad guy? I mean, that guy loves like me, he dies like me, he lives, you know, he has family. And, you know, that's something that I've always, um, you know, kept, uh, you know, I've always felt in the inside is that oneness, you know, and um, the, the more I, I, I go into this, the more I travel along this path, um, you know, I, I keep seeing it over and over again. And, uh, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, I do believe that I, I may not know how to um, verbalize it as well as others, you know, especially because I'm so new into this, but I do lean more so in, in that way of thinking. You know, I think it was Buddha that said, if you knew the truth, you would forgive all. You know, it it all is forgiveness. The the self is is playing itself out in this reality, and nothing is truly lost because it's all in self. It's all consciousness in communion with consciousness. Once we do away with the ego identity of all the things you're not, you're left with what you are, and that is a that is a, a oneness, and that is unconditional love, and unconditional freedom and liberation. What I mentioned before about an implication of experiencing and knowing oneness and not just knowing it intellectually, not just saying we're all one, we're all God. Another aspect of oneness is that if it is all one, then there's a lot of loneliness in that oneness. And I've had experiences, uh, the mushroom has taught me, um, it showed me a golden chest. And it said, if you look in this chest, once you see it, you can't unsee and me being me, I was like, yeah, I want to look in the chest. And so uh, it opened the chest. And inside the chest, I saw that the creation of all of it is, a lot of it is, is manifested due to this loneliness and oneness. If God is one, which is what all the traditions say, and is what we experience on many entheogens, if it is one manifesting as the many, it's very lonely in that one. It, 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 the loneliness drove the need to create me and you in order to interact with itself, you know? And then people might say, well, on DMT, I don't get that because there's all these beings. But in, in essence, those beings are also in different dimensions, also manifestations of source, also manifestations of the, the oneness of all things. And, and from that perspective, all is forgiven because all is, all is the one. The guy who you killed and the, the, the one you who killed him is, is the one all in communion with itself, and ultimately all is forgiven. And I'm sure you've been through psychedelic experiences where you've gone through the trauma of that, and you've gone through the pain of that, because I know my trauma that I've been through on a personal level, and I know we've all had to face 
in these psychedelic landscapes, those parts of ourselves that that our regret and our pain and our suffering for what was done, but then it's equally neutralized and released and you're free from it. You've liberated yourself from it because you realize, ah, that's that's forgiven. That's that that was you can never blame somebody for behaving at their level of consciousness. You know, once you once you graduate to a higher level of consciousness, then you become accountable. Once you know the truth, then you're accountable. But when once when you do not know the truth, when you are rooted in illusion and ignorance and pain and suffering and separation, ego attachment and trauma, you you are operating at that level of consciousness, you know? And and there's there's no blame there, you know. I think you know that already until you've been through that. Yeah, definitely. And it does make sense what you're saying, especially since, you know, uh, since going through everything that I've gone through. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, <clears throat> man, I'm really, really happy that you had the time to come on here, man, and, and have this conversation and be here. I, I really, beautiful conversation, man. Thank you so much. Um, but wow. um, I wanted to see if, if is there anything um, you would like to touch on or is there anything you would like to say for anybody listening right now? Yeah, I think if if you're feeling like you want to express um, anything that's on your mind, obviously you have DMT World and come to uh, rememberingourself.com and everything's free. So it's all a free service and you just join in our calls. Like I said, we do, uh, I think it's Monday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time in the U.S. And then I have in uh, Australia as well and in the U.K. And then you can just kind of come in and voice what you're feeling there. And a lot, a lot unfolds there. A lot of, um, a lot of interesting things unfold there. There's a lot of people there. Now you're not just coming to kind of talk about your own problems or your own issues or your own experiences, but you also act as support for other people because you have particular experience that applies sometimes to other people. Like uh, somebody will say something and then somebody else will kind of jump in and be like, yeah, that happened to me. And, and so you, you're not just contributing, uh, you're not just kind of taking from the group, you're contributing, you are uh, adding to the group and uh, in that dynamic. And we more, the more we grow those communities, um, the, the faster acceleration we're going to have of ultimate unfolding of, of consciousness, ultimate uh, transcendence from ignorance and liberation from ignorance. And that is a deeper level of love. That is a deeper level of peace. That is a deeper level of truth. And, um, and that's the world that we, that we all want. And, and, and it doesn't matter at what level of consciousness anybody's at, they do want that deep inside. They always, we, we want to choose good over evil. And that within that choice proves the, the meaning of what we are. Because if, if life was a meaningless nothingness, there would be no reason to choose good over evil. So it is, it is a meaningful experience and it matters the choices that we, that we make and, and what we do. And, and choosing good. Yeah, definitely, man. Well said. Um, you have your, so the groups are uh, rememberingourself.com or that's a website that they can go to to find other groups in their area. Yeah, so we got rememberingourself.com, which has all the information there. And then we have Facebook slash Remembering Ourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and then uh, obviously we talk about it, the Naked Guru Experience, uh, which is the YouTube channel that we we talk to people on. So, 
Uh, yeah, and I'd love to get involved with your project in any way we can too. So if um, if you have something from DMT World, I'd love to put that on the website and in those interconnect those projects um, just so Yeah, so definitely. We could definitely do that. Um, and then also you got a book coming out. And what's the, t- the title? Remembering Ourself. The, uh, that's the title of the book as well? Yeah. And <clears throat> I have an announcement, actually. Uh, I, I don't know if you know the artist Cameron Gray. Have you seen his work? S- sounds familiar, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, he he paints what looks like the entities, you know? So you would, you definitely would have seen his his work. It's pretty pretty profound. And well, Alex, so, there's Alex Gray. Yeah, you have Alex Gray, who is, uh, I think he's American, but um, yeah, Cameron Gray is an Australian guy. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. These uh, images, but they are a lot like Alex Gray's work. It's some really amazing images, and he's going to be illustrating the book. And nice. the plan—we're oh, doing a complete rewrite, and the plan is kind of a, a guide to entheogenic awakening. So we want to kind of do a, a step-by-step guide to um, this process because there are parts in this process where people get a little bit lost and confused, and like, "Oh shit, what's going on?" <laughs> um, and we we just want a little pocketbook and. And his images are really going to illustrate that beautifully. I'll, I'll send you some, actually, Alex. So okay. I don't know if we have it on Facebook, but I'll, I'll, I'll send it over. You know, um, that is uh, something that we were talking about earlier in a few of the other episodes was regarding the um, the solo trip as opposed to some kind of a structured or guided uh, trip and how there's a lot of – there's just a whole – um, number of benefits that you kind of miss out on, on the solo trips, you know, and that's something that for me, you know, I would seem interested in because I've done a lot of the solo tripping, you know, up until this point and just started getting into like group, um, sessions and, and, you know, meeting other facilitators here locally, which is great. It's always great to have some type of, uh, guidance or some type of structure, you know, and and even like music is another thing, adding music, you know, during the sessions, it it completely changes, you know, the whole experience for for the better, in in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sorry. I I also have the majority of the experiences is solo and uh, and those that I have tried with others, it's very distracting. Um, I mean, everybody has their method, right? And, and my, my method, uh, I'd like to think is has been taught to me by the mushroom and it's, it really is very in line with Stan Groff's work. So uh, it is kind of um, going blindfolded, going into the internal realms. If you have music kind of binaural, uh, very, very simplistic music and, uh, and really going inward and to, to then later read that in Stan Groff's work, I found Stan Groff's work after I developed my whole method. And, and then to, to kind of correlate that and be like, whoa, maybe this is the method, yeah, particularly for LSD. Um, but yeah, group work, certainly for ayahuasca is a definite, um, you need it. I, I wouldn't drink ayahuasca solo. Have, have you drank ayahuasca solo? Or? No, I and to be honest with you, I've yet to, to experience ayahuasca. I do have a few things in the future um, set already, but um, it's mostly been uh, the DMT um, just the vaping, the DMT. Uh, and that was always usually solo. My first few ones, I had somebody there with me, my wife, <laughs> just to kind of keep me grounded, make sure I keep, keep breathing. So to speak, <laughs> these, hey, they can get scary. You know, these experiences, if, if, if you don't, this is why also these conversations are important to have, you know, to kind of give somebody a glimpse of, you know, what to expect kind of, um, because, if you jump straight into some of these like DMT, like vaping the DMT, 
if if that was like your first thing, never trying any psychedelics, I mean, it could go one of two ways, you know, and because it gets pretty, uh, it gets pretty weird sometimes. Yep. <laughs> <I hate it. laughs> and, and, and it, it gets a little, um, intense, you know, so to speak. like, I mean, you said it yourself, you got to that point where, you, you know, you thought you had broken through and then when you actually broke through, it just, it was just a whole different world. You never feel so um, lucky to be back in your body, you know. I never feel so like, yes, I'm back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, even now it terrifies me. It, it absolutely scares the crap out of me. And I think if you're not scared of it, like, I, I don't know, maybe you've just had better experiences or, or wonderful experiences, or, but I, I am scared to death of it every time. See, that's something... Uh when this year, when I was telling you about the plateau and kind of getting to that point, I wasn't afraid. I had lost a fear. And those were the most extreme and the most challenging experiences that I had with the molecule. And and now just thinking of it, my palms are sweaty. I'm like, <laughs> I'm good, man. I'll wait till the time is right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree. It's one of those things that always stays on the shelf and is never quite finished. It's, um, it's uh, the mushrooms don't last long, but BNT uh, <laughs> will stay there. You'll always have quite a supply. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a. It's definitely one that, to keep in the medicine cabinet, but it's also one that's for special occasions for sure. <laughs> um, Listen, Matt, again, really glad to have you on here, man. I I'm, was looking forward to it for a while. I'm a big fan of your work, you know, the Naked Guru um, podcast and, the, and the, the experience there. Uh, you know, I came across it back then and I've been watching a man and I really uh, love and support everything you're doing right now. Um, I'll have links in the description for everybody. And then um, if you ever have anything else you'd like to promote or just come on and, and talk, the door is open for you. That's perfect, man. Thank you, Alex. I am glad you uh, you reached out because I think you know in, in the future we can do something together for, for sure. So it's um, it's great. I love what you're also doing with DMT World. Uh, it's been fascinating to hear your story as well, man. And it's uh, good. All right, man. Well, thanks. If uh, that's it, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you. Thanks, Alex. Thank you.